0: Okay, well, welcome, everyone. Hopefully, it's welcome back to some of you, and welcome. And uh, it looks like the weather is uh, starting to clear up. Am I right about that? It's starting to... I think it's just going to get nicer. And we're so glad, because so much goes into uh, putting this thing together. Um, you know, it's... For those of us involved in Venture Richmond, it's a wonderful organization here, and the National Council for the Traditional Arts based up in Maryland. And then the Virginia Folklife Program, which is what I'm the director of, we're based in Charlottesville. We start our meetings for next year, probably next week, uh, and while it's all fresh in our minds. And uh, so we will uh, just keep doing our best to, to, uh, to bring you some of the finest uh, artists. And on this stage, well, the whole festival, um, a lot of people I know, when I tell them about the festival, uh, Will say something like, "Well, who's, you know, who's your headliner?" They always ask that question. To you, who's your headliner? And I say, "Well, we don't, we don't have headliners. Everybody who is on the stage is here for a reason because they're at the top of their craft." Um, yes, that's right. And uh, so, you know, I tell people, you know, um, the way I always do this festival when this stage closes, which is at six, we close, and then I get to run out into the night, is I don't even look at a, I I keep a program in my pocket just to see what it is I'm looking at, rather than to plan where I'm going, Uh, because you just don't know, you know, I mean, you know, who knows what Kotak dance is, if you've never heard it before, or seen it before, Uh, you know, you might want to check it out, and you can know that whoever is there doing it is excellent, you know, that it's not just like, okay, anybody, you know, so... Just, you know, have fun. And some of you I know know some of these guys uh, because we've had people come up to the stage and say hello. Uh, they're all Virginians. Uh, Chris is living in, in North Carolina right right now, but just over the line. What about you, Spencer? You're not North living in... Virginia. All right, cool. And these are guys, uh, most of them I've known for, for quite a long time. Uh, I should say that every person on this stage is or has been a participant in our Virginia Folklife Apprenticeship Program, which is a program that we started over 10 years ago, um, which pairs masters and apprentices in all types of traditional art forms. Many of the people in the crafts area and the stages this weekend have been in that program. All these folks have been in it, either as masters or apprentices, I'm, I'm realizing here. Uh, learn more about us. Uh, come talk to me or virginiafolklife.org is another way. Learn about our programming. We're a nonprofit, so if you're looking to uh, you know, get that write-off, we're always welcome to help you with that, too, if you ever want to keep these apprenticeships going. <laughs> That's the last time I'll say that today. Uh, So, anyway, what a pleasure. Let's meet these folks, and what we're going to do is kind of learn a little bit about what they do, about instrument making, and we're going to hear these wonderful instruments, too. The instrument you see on stage, of course, is a handmade instrument made by the person who is playing that instrument. Um, And so, uh, I'll start from the end, and then we'll move into this strange instrument near me. So, um, this gentleman here is, uh, you know, we say the best of Virginia, but he really is recognized around the world. He's one of the best auto harp makers in the world, uh, as well as players. He's won the Galax Fiddler's Convention Auto Harp competition how many times, John? Uh,
1: <clears throat> more than once.
0: More than once. <laughs> uh, so, uh, And he comes from uh, around Blacksburg kind of area there. Christiansburg. Christiansburg. Um, and that's John Hollinsworth. Make him feel welcome. On all this.
2: Hey, John, 13, 13.
0: All right. He's a 13-time champion. We, Our crack staff up here just let us know. Um, so that's a good thing. And John was a master artist working with a guy named Sam Gleaves, teaching him how to make auto harps. Uh, next guy over here is a, is a good friend. I, I, I remember him when he was in school at Mount Rogers. Uh, uh, Mount Rogers Combined School, studied with Emily Spencer. Um, and uh, watch him grow as a musician and a person and he got together, he'll tell you about this, but he got together with a dear person who was also in our program uh, who sadly passed recently Audrey Hash Ham and learned how to make fiddles from her and then most recently Walter Messick who's in our crafts area here, uh, worked with him on making dulcimers Um, and he's originally from the White Top area and now he lives in, uh, right in Lansing, right over, the, right over the border there in North Carolina. That's Chris Testerman. Make him feel welcome. And this little whippersnapper here in the middle, he and I have had quite a number of adventures together, which I will not share <laughs> with you from the stage. Uh, he apprenticed with Gerald, who's sitting next to him in uh, making mandolins and guitars. Uh, he's originally from uh, Lamb's Lambsburg. Lambsburg. Still there. Still there. Okay. You were roaming around there for a while, and now you've settled back home. Uh, Anybody know where Lambsburg is? Yes. (laughs) Well, (laughs) the mayor of Galax knows where it is. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Carroll County, just down there near Cana, Virginia. If you know Cana, Virginia, which is the home of a wonderful recording studio, uh, just above Mount Airy, North Carolina, which is the home of Andy Griffith. So that makes perfect sense that he's here. That was a non sequitur for Spencer Strickland. Make him feel welcome. As I said, Spencer spent a lot of time uh, working with this fella here. Oh, I should say, by the way, Spencer has won best all around, correct? At the Galax Fiddlers convention, which means, yeah. Which means he not only uh, makes beautiful instruments, but he's a a heck of a player, a mandolin player. He's a great fiddler, too. Um, And Chris, you've probably done some things at Galax, too. I'm sure you've placed more than once. Yeah. And this guy here has won the guitar competition, which is an amazing feat when you think about the kinds of guitar players that we have down there. And he apprenticed with uh, Wayne Henderson for a long time, and then he's working with, with Spencer and And he's just a a, a wonderful uh, maker, but also uh, does so much for the community down there with the Wayne Henderson Festival and so many things over the years. And he's a wonderful guy. This is Gerald Anderson from Troutdale, Virginia. And then this is a guy I just got to know months ago, practically. There's an amazing story for how we got to know him. Uh, Just real quick, Flory Jagoda, National Heritage Fellow we've had on this stage. She's 90 years old, Sephardic Jewish ballad singer, uh, originally from Sarajevo, uh, escaped the Holocaust largely because of an accordion. Her father put her on a train and said to Zagreb, um, from Zagreb to Split, and said, Play your accordion. Don't talk to anybody, because if you talk, they'll know. And so that's what she did. The accordion saved her life, essentially. And just recently, uh, Dale has restored that accordion with his apprentice, uh, which is an amazing thing. It was like a 70-, 80-year-old accordion. Um, Dale is a a, uh, great uh, uh, restorer, builder of accordions, and he's a great player. And he's also just kind of an ambassador of the instrument. Um, so please make him well. He's up in Orange County, Dale Wise. Uh, so we're going to talk a little bit, but we want to hear how these lovely things sound. Um, and, and maybe, uh, John, maybe you could uh, just say a word about that auto harp and, and just uh, let us see what it sounds like.
1: Okay. Um, Well, I started playing auto-harp when I was a kid, and um, my grandmother um, had an auto-harp, so that's how I got introduced uh, to it. Uh, Auto-harps are probably not Mm -hmm. as common for most people as um, banjos and fiddles and things like that, but, um, uh, you know, she could play, uh, she liked the Carter family and um, kind of turned me on to Carter family music and things that were happening back in those days, and uh, we had old records and, of course, radio and that, that sort of thing. So, um, I heard her play, um, play the auto harp when I was, uh, four or five years old, and, um, so that's, that's how I got started, but, um, and, uh, th- there's, you know, um, there, there never were a whole lot of handmade auto harps, uh, you know, most, there was a factory or two that made auto harps, so, um, ha- handmade auto harps, sort of a new thing, uh, in the last 20 or 30 years, really, so, uh, and there's several people around now that, uh, that build it, build auto harps, so, um. Kind of, it's always also a little nice to you know kind of build an instrument and you know play an instrument that you built so that's that's the reason that I started I, I wanted to have an instrument uh, that I built myself so you guys going to play
3: with me? yeah we we'll, right, back you up
0: i should say while they're getting ready here is that uh, you know the whole reason that the folklife area has a stage 10 years ago our theme was instrument makers. That's, that's all we brought was instrument makers. And typically with the National Folk Festival, which it was what it was at the time, the folk life area never has a stage, it's, it's a crafts area. But I said, we have to have a stage because all of these guys who make them, play them. Uh, you, you know, I don't think you can be a great instrument maker without being a great player. So that's why we have this stage actually. And it just grew. So, and you notice, John said, will you guys play with me," and they're like, "Oh, yeah, sure, we'll play with you." And they've never talked about what they're going to play or anything, uh, which is an amazing thing about uh, when you when you head down, particularly their part of the state, Southwest Virginia. That's what you see. So, go ahead, guys.
1: All right. Well, we'll just do an old-time um, fiddle tune. Angelina, if you want to do that. So we'll see how it goes. We'll all take a little turn or two here. Angelina Baker.
0: John Hollinsworth there on the Auto Hards. What a beautiful instrument. You know, uh you you know, you can after this set and all weekend, you can look at these instruments up close and you can talk to these folks. It's all over on the in the in our crafts area. We've set up an entire shop there, you know, where they're gonna be working, they're gonna be demonstrating things. So uh you know, come and do that, and uh, let's say hi to Chris again, and, and tell us a little bit about that amazingly beautiful, and that's the other thing, for those of you, unless you have really good eyesight, I don't think you're going to be able to see, like, what is carved. Show them the back of that, and it, I don't know if you can see that from here. That's carved with a, what, a pocket knife or a nail or something?
1: Yeah, uh, it's kind, kind of a pocket knife. You draw your picture on there, carve it out with a knife, and yeah. kind of black wood with a pencil, and you go over a little, little nail, and... It tattoos that black right in the wood.
0: Y'all got that? Simple. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> um, and tell us how you learned how to do this again. And
1: well, uh, I was in school, and um, I got to hearing a lot about Albert Hash and his music, and it just really intrigued me how he, you know, played, you know, but he, he made instruments, and not only just made them; he made the tools that. was used to build them and I wanted to try it and I was encouraged to visit with Audrey his daughter and I was 16 when I built my first one you know she really helped me out a whole lot and uh, this fiddle here is one I built for her
2: Mm.
0: and we loved Audrey I'll tell you Audrey was Albert's daughter Uh, Albert hash a great fiddle maker from white top who uh, so many people learn from including Wayne Henderson who sends his regrets that he can't be here today this is perfect for him. Um, so, and then that falls down the line. So like Gerald learned from Wayne and then, you know, it just kind of goes that way. Um, and Chris is just, uh, boy, you've been learning quick. Cause I remember just, you know, three or four years ago, you were kind of just starting, weren't you? I mean, how, when did you start making them exactly? Well, I was 16. 16, yeah. I'm
1: 28 now, so. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I thought he
0: was like 19. <laughs> Where did the years go? God. My heavens. Let's see. Let's hear how that thing sounds. You All want right. to rip into
1: something. Oh, a little Austinian. sounds <laughs> good.
0: This testimony: one
2: one
0: of Spencer, how come every time we do these workshops, <laughs> this is like the fifth or sixth time we've no, done right. this together. You're always playing one of Gerald's mandolins. In we, we, well,
3: you see, John, I just like to remember the, 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 my beginnings, you know <laughs> where, where I came from. So uh, you know, this is just my little tribute to Gerald here to always play one of his mandolins. I've got him on retainer. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Well, well yeah. The Spencer, Oh, go ahead.
3: Well, no, what I was gonna say, no, I'm, I am, I am kind of a very poor representation of of myself. Uh, um, <laughs> I, <laughs> I've I've attempted to make myself a mandolin three different times, and I always wind up selling them. So, because I'm always like, well, I could always make me another one, but that that another one never quite gets here. So. I'm, uh, I'm usually playing this Yeah, mandolin. I know all about that, by the way, from yes, personal yes. experience, but yeah, we won't get into mind. that. <laughs> we won't go into that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Spencer is, uh, is a, uh, well, all these guys are heavily on demand now. You know It's not like you could just go to some store and buy a Spencer Strickland mandolin in the store. You have to talk to him and request one, and it could take years. Uh, some of these guys have, it takes a while, some of these guys. And Wayne Henderson's, of course, famous for that. Uh, there was a book written about how it took Eric Clapton nine years to get a Wayne guitar. Um, but then he'll sometimes make it for you know, the little girl down the street you know, before he would make it for, for Eric uh, I actually want to ask you about that. I'll ask you about that, Spencer. In terms of like most of the instruments I think you make, or most guys make, you know who it's mm-hmm. for. I, I do. And wow. so what goes into that, 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 figuring out what instrument to make for that person?
3: Well usually uh, when somebody comes to me and I'm sure it's very similar to, to all these guys they um, if they're coming to someone like us for an instrument they've already you know probably done their homework and they know they want a handmade instrument and they and they kind of give us a you know a, a few things that they're looking for in the instrument so um, you know whether they like a certain color or a certain neck size or you know, uh, a certain like uh, there's a couple of different styles of mandolins as well as several different kinds of guitars. You know they they've already got that usually mm-hmm. picked out mm-hmm. in their mind and mm-hmm. um, and then I'm uh, I know all these guys are behind. I'm probably somewhere in the ballpark of 15 or 16 instruments behind right now on my on my <laughs> list. And, and I and I probably have one of the shortest lists up here on the stage to be honest. I know Gerald and John and Chris and all these guys. They they there seems like the work's coming in a little quicker than then we can get it done but um, wow. yeah. so yeah they, they, usually I have to tell people it'll probably be a little over a year before I'll be able to get mm. around to starting. And
0: we're things. all, you know, all of us folklorists are always homers for our state you know, every, every folklorist that, you know, the Utah folklorist thinks that Utah has got the best stuff and all that and I do have to say though, I am not being I mean, I'm being objective when I say Virginia is the hotbed of instrument making in the country it is Good. And a lot of that has to do with Albert Hash. Quite a bit of that, quite a bit of that does have to do with Albert Hash um, and, and his legacy. But it's these young folks, and I'll count Gerald and John and in, that, in that conversation, of the young folks carrying it on. It's just a beautiful thing to see. Uh, let's hear that man, though. Let's hear you ripping into, into something.
3: Okay. Uh, let's see. One of those contest <coughs> teams, maybe. You want to, uh, let's see, you want to play with me or you want me to do Let's see. All right. On the, see. We do, we'll do temperature Imperial or something. Since you're in G already, here we go. If anybody else wants to jump in on this one, you just just let me know.
0: Spencer Strickland Well let's say hi to Gerald here Gerald's an old friend, a great guy And a beautiful guitar You're playing, tell us a little bit about that guitar Could you just share maybe a little bit about the wood Kind of some of those things
2: Sure, this
4: is a guitar that actually belongs to Spencer
3: (laughs) (laughs) See, it works both ways
4: When he first started helping me In my shop, I I made this guitar for him And it's a made out of Indian rosewood, and it has a Sitka spruce top and uh, mahogany neck. And uh, this is the one of my earliest guitars. When I worked in Wayne's shop, I mostly made uh, mandolins and did repair work. And then John uh, came along one day and said, would I take on an apprentice? And it ended up being Spencer. And uh, after we uh, got done with the apprenticeship, we had to find a bigger place to work because Wayne's shop was too small. So we ended up turning my basement into a shop, and he helped me there for about five years. And now... He has his own shop down in Lambsburg. So uh, pretty much uh, all my instrument making came from Wayne, and mm-hmm. Wayne learned a lot from Albert, so uh, this sort of gets passed down generation to generation.
0: Okay. What what goes behind the choices of wood, typically? Uh,
4: well, most, uh, as Spencer was saying earlier, most uh, people have an idea of what they like. Uh, rosewood on a guitar makes a, a bassier-sounding guitar. And uh, a lot of... The brighter sounding woods are mahogany and maple. I've been making a lot of guitars out of maple lately, mm-hmm. and then we also make them occasionally out of co wood and walnut. So mm-hmm. there's different tonal qualities to different mm-hmm. kinds of wood.
0: And I know the spruce. I know I hear a lot about in your where you live is just being right. very good Appalachian spruce, right? Appalachian
4: spruce, or some people call it red spruce. It grows in the mountains up on White Top, and uh, uh, that's uh, that's a real preferential wood for sure, especially for tops right? for tops. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. Beautiful. Yeah, thank
0: And, and uh, we'll talk to Dale about this in a minute. He's, the, he's the, uh, the oddball up here, I can tell with what he's got in his hand, but I can't. But I, I was going to ask about the weather. You know, we talked about the weather today. It starts out cold and wet, and then maybe later it maybe dries out, it gets
4: hot, it gets cold this is how does that affect the instruments (laughs) well one that's already made like this is not quite as effective as much but it will it will change your tuning a lot it's hard to stay in tune in damp weather Mm -hmm. and then as far as down in the place where we're making stuff if you've got wood down there that doesn't have finish on it, it's real susceptible to humidity we were here one year a few years back and when Wayne was with us and we were riding in the same vehicle and when we left here that was that was here it rained so much Mm-hmm. he had a brazilian rosewood back and it looked like literally looked like a piece of curled up bacon when we put <laughs> yeah. it in the car by the time yeah. we got back to grayson county and the air-conditioned car it dried wow. flat back wow. out flat
0: have you uh were anybody here at year one wow all right you remember a guy remember that rain my heaven and uh you know we had we we're a little superstitious you know 10 had this weird feel so that's why we have the boats i don't know if you've noticed the boats they're positioned right there, so uh, although those are reserved, those seats are reserved. They're all they're all sold out. I'm sorry to say. Uh, Gerald, uh, you might sing one, huh? Sure, sure. Look at Gerald. I love how Gerald sings, and it's. I think uh, that's an important part of instruments, right? The tone of an instrument, uh, guitar, is often made for accompanying a, a singer. So
4: yeah, this we'll do a tune that uh, we used to get. Luckily, got to hang out a lot with Doc Watson before he passed away, and he was in Wang's Shop a whole lot, and uh, we all got to play with him quite a bit. And this is a song we learned from him. It's called uh, Greenville Trestle High.
5: as a boy how in wonderment and joy I'd watch the trains as they go by and the whistles lonesome sound well you could hear for miles around as they rolled across that Greenville trestle high but the whistles don't sound like they used to lately not many trains go by hard times across the land mean no work for a railroad man and a Greenville trestle now don't seem so high At the close of day, but the whistles don't sound like they used to. Lately, not many trains go by. Hard times cross the land mean no work for a roadman, and a Greenville trestle now don't see. Trestles don't sound like they used to Lately, not many trains go by Hard times across the land mean no work for a railroad man And the Greenville trestle now don't seem so high No, the Greenville trestle now don't seem so high Thank you
0: Gerald Anderson. Well, let's shift gears here for a minute. This guy's been waiting, patient. What do you think of these? As an instrument restorer and maker, I mean, what do you think of uh, all this here?
6: I have great respect for it. Uh, I think, uh, in many cases, I think we'd all ad- admit a rose is a rose to a certain point. <laughs> and working with woods, and metals, and tools, and the like, and artistry, and a wealth of patience, and a love for that instrument, without which, it wouldn't happen. Yeah, that's right.
0: (laughs) And I'm always, uh, that's something that always impresses me about instrument makers. I think I respect instrument makers almost more than any other type of craft, because not only does it have to look so beautiful, But it has to sound so good. I mean, you know, are those two ever in tension with each other? I mean,
6: you know. A lot of times it's really quite easy to make them look good. But uh, what really (laughs) counts, as we all know, is what's inside. And uh, so that goes a long way. Just (laughs) like people. Sorry, I just couldn't resist.
0: But not up here. We look good and, and sound good. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Dad. Tell us a little bit about uh, your your life with the man with the accordion.
6: Well, I play only the top forty. <laughs> Nineteen forty. <1940.
0: laughs>
6: it's a joy to be here and uh, to have met John and uh, many of these new acquaintances. Uh, and goodness, I uh, love being here and. Uh, uh, look forward to hearing everyone and, and playing a and little How do you get
0: uh, interested in, a, in accordions? I
6: was 11 years old. I started out playing the guitar for about six weeks, went across the hall, and uh, fell in love with the accordion. And so uh, 62 years later, uh, here I am. So, wow.
0: Wow. And what a beautiful instrument. Uh, what a beautiful instrument. And, and you know, I'm, I, this is, a, again, you know, come and, and, and please uh, visit our... Our folk life area here and visit the luthier tent. We, but that's not what we would call it this time because a luthier, uh, which for some reason, this probably happens to you Microsoft Word always puts that red squiggly line under <laughs> yeah. luthier, which I don't I understand. Uh, uh, you know, but a luthier is a maker of a, a fretted stringed instrument. So actually, fiddle makers are technically not luthiers, which a lot of people think they are. Uh, it's with frets, so so now. But of course, with folks like Dale and everything else, we don't call that a luthier tent anymore. It's an instrument making tent. And let's hear this uh, great instrument you got here.
6: Well, here's a tune we all know. Join in if you like. <laughs> Let's roll Out the barrel We'll have a barrel of We've got the blues On the run Zing Boom Torero Sing out the song Of the cheer Now's the time to Roll the barrel Cause the gang
0: mentioned that today you have to run off for a gig a little later today. Are accordions in in demand out there in the world?
6: Well, they told me not to tell you where I was going. (laughs) Yes, they they are. It's almost a subliminal thing. Uh, uh, It's happening all around us on TV and commercials on the radio. And yes, clubs, restaurants, weddings, receptions, and the like, uh, but but uh, we don't notice it, but if we start looking, it's coming back and it's coming back strong and uh, everything is very cyclical. And when I grew up, the accordion was just so very popular, every kid on the block over in Illinois. And, uh, and so I, I see it in uh, uh, like clothing and foods and music, uh, there are very cyclical patterns of about... 35 40 years and so if we live long enough we can see things come and go and we're coming back again So hang on the accordion is not is back
0: And he is I mean Dale is a ambassador of this instrument if you go on YouTube uh, He had a show called the accordion show back in the day that I've been watching uh, It's great uh, That was like early 80s Roughly it's uh, yeah, yeah, yeah somewhere in there just just do it. Yeah. It's great. Uh, well, we are, uh, we're, we're, the big hand's getting close to that pink arrow there, which means we're almost done. You need to just stay in your seat because if you get out of your seat, someone's going to grab it because of the Crown's fashion show that is coming up. It's just going to be something else um, and something very different than what you're seeing right now. Um, so, uh, we'll have them maybe do one more, and I don't know, Dale, maybe you can jump in on something. I don't know. They do a lot of, you know, there's a lot of music that, uh, you know, works in both of the worlds here. Sure, go ahead. Okay, and so... Alabama,
3: oh, the I can be- believe with all the strings that's on that thing, John, you can't play in C. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: They'll figure it out. So uh, once again, that's John Hollinsworth over there and Chris Testerman and Spencer Strickland and Gerald Anderson and Dale Wise.
5: Sure.
0: You can do a G. So.
2: Uh, okay, we got
4: it figured out.
5: All right. You got to be quick
2: ng boys you ready
5: well mama don't lie no music played around here mama don't lie no music played around here well we don't care what mama loud gonna play some music in.
3: All right, Gerald. It's
5: Gerald Anderson on guitar, folks. Well, mama don't allow no jamming up around here. Mama don't allow no jamming up around here. Care what Mama allow gonna jam it up anyhow. Mama don't allow no jamming up around here. Alright, everybody. Well, we don't care what Mama allow Up
2: around
0: here. John Hollingsworth, Chris Tesserman, Spencer Strickland, Gerald Anderson, Dale Wise. Go visit them over at the instrument tent.